My name is Matthew Whitehouse. You're listening to The Face Podcast. Every week, we're going to look at the biggest stories from the worlds of music, movies, fashion and politics. We're going to discuss what's hot and what's not. And we're going to give you the face take on everything from the Brits to the Oscars to Fashion Week and everything in between. So welcome back to Jade Wicks and Olive Pometsi, who've joined us for the second week running. Jade, you weren't stuck in Berlin this week, I take it? No, I was feet firmly in London. Good, good. Yes. Well, welcome. We are glad to have you because we're talking about inflation ships, which is something that you, Jade, wrote about in the most recent issue mm-hmm. of The Face. So tell us, what is an inflation ship and, and, and how did you first come across the word? So an inflation ship is a relationship that has been affected by inflation in the sense that a couple will rush a significant life milestone that mm. happens to be moving in together as a means of saving cash primarily um, over actually feeling emotionally ready to make that kind of big step together. I first heard the term just while I was out of the pub with a friend of mine um, who'd been with her boyfriend for close to a year and I was asking her if she was planning to move in with him and she kind of looked appalled and said to me, absolutely not, I don't want to be stuck in an inflation ship um, mm. and explained that she she really did not want to end up rushing that step and moving in with him to save cash over actually being ready because she was conscious that mm. that might actually be a detriment to the relationship in the long term and I thought it was genius just that that word mm. just got really catchy and it's kind of even though you might not understand what it means immediately you kind of get a sense of it and you kind of want <laughs> to know more yeah. it's quite intriguing but is it something that I mean it's for both of you is it kind of a feeling or a situation that you had come across talking to your friends before you had the kind of word to to sum it up yeah well it's kind of weird actually this weekend um I was talking to my hairdresser and he was talking about wanting to move out on his own and living in his own place because he's always been flat sharing and even he was like oh you know sometimes I think I should just get in a relationship just so I can have like a partner so I can like mm. split the cost of rent and it's definitely been something that has been talked about in my friends it's always in a jokey way though it's always like oh I need to get a boyfriend because I need to be able to split the cost of these things it's never like none of my friends are in relationships so then <laughs> they're not pushing those moves um but they, when they're dating it's like kind of like oh well you know I want to move out with this flat share and wouldn't it be nice if I had a boyfriend to do mm. that with? Because it, that is just kind of an impossible thing to do with a single person mm. at the moment. It was kind of something that sort of came up anecdotally and, and people are talking about. When, when Jay, did you decide to turn it into a feature? Well, I guess we kind of, I brought it up with you guys um, as a team and we spoke about it. And I think, to be honest, the more I thought about it, the more I felt that it rung true for me in my kind of own relationship, I think. And it got me thinking, you know, hang on a second, would I have actually moved in with that person had it not saved us money. And I thought, actually, you know, maybe not. And then I spoke to my friends and obviously I spoke to you guys in the office and it it definitely felt like a bit of a phenomenon that was worth delving into. It's also interesting about how it impacts the relationship itself mm. um, and how if you're not moving in for the right reason, mm. then how does that then affect the trajectory of the relationship from that point onwards? If you're not mm. ready for it, mm. does that potentially turn a relationship that is going to, could be fruitful and could be long-term. Does that make it, make it go south quicker? Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think that was one of the interesting things as well. And just about, just the idea of kind of home as a place that is a sacred place, really, where you're supposed to feel comfortable. It's your kind of refuge and, and that kind of thing. And suddenly you're piling all these kind of financial woes 
into that space like can only spell mm. disaster really most mm. of the time what is the sort of background to these financial woes obviously the cost of living crisis is there were there certain things that you found out about rent prices at the moment um what was kind of the sort of leading to, the, to this phenomenon well while i was researching i did find that rent prices in london have risen 17 percent mm. in 2022 which funnily is actually the same as food prices and yeah just anecdotally and just seeing it reports in the news really of people trying to rent and the market just being absolutely mental um people queuing around the block to see the same house people having to put deposits down without having seen somewhere just to secure a place and it's kind of become real battleground in that sense and there's not enough like rental properties on the market i don't think either so it just it pushes people it backs people into a corner and i think gives them a sense of agency and control over their lives um to kind of make that move because you know what else can they do it's also like i mean going to all those flat viewings and you know every single evening trying to find somewhere to live and sending out the emails and talking to estate agents like that is a really hugely horrible stressful process and when you're in a relationship you can kind of like split the work mm. and one person can go to a viewing and be like okay well i like it and then you trust that person so it, you don't have to be traipsing around london or manchester or wherever it is that evening you kind of it feels much more maybe easy to mm. move out with a partner than it is to have all that work on yourself definitely mm. and i think you're kind of like sharing the emotional burden as well of what the cost of living crisis brings because it's like you've got another person to kind of like share that load with so not only are you splitting bills but you're also splitting that kind of emotional load as well and I think that single people are definitely penalized massively in terms of just like day-to-day -day cost of amenities like you know Spotify, Netflix, internet, general bills and rent, of course, as a single person, you're paying through the nose. Yeah, wasn't there, a, there was a specific statistic, right, in your piece about how much it costs you if you, if you, uh, a single or live alone? It's, it's how much more? A, a month or a year? It's actually £860 more a month, um, that you're paying if you live alone rather than living in a couple, which was, um, wow. which is fucking staggering. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the actual couples that you spoke to then who are some of the sort of real life people that are going through this that you spoke to for the piece so one young woman that i spoke to um for the piece who we'll call ava i will call her boyfriend dan mm. um had explained that um she had been with dan for about six months they were friends before um but they were still at that kind of awkward stage in the relationship where communication wasn't great um, but they were both paying a lot of money to kind of live in their respective flats but also in that honeymoon period where they were kind of spending all their time together so it just kind of made financial sense to move in I think on the surface, which they did, uh, moved into a big party house in East London. And then slowly, I think as well, there's that thing of you don't really know someone until you live with them. Mm -hmm. And slowly <laughs> these like other issues started cropping up. Like Dan was a reckless spender and this party house, you know, no one worked a nine to five. Ava was the only one who did. And she ended up having to pick up the costs of, you know, bills for Dan and covering his end. And then resentment was building up and her kind of mm. sense of independence started being curtailed. And, um, Obviously, as well, they had to share a bathroom with 10 people, which... <laughs> yeah, it's going to be testing, <laughs> Yes, isn't it? definitely. Um, which actually, in the immediate sense, the aim was to try and relieve a pressure, which it did. You know, they got to split the cost of groceries, of toilet roll, Nescafe Zero is very expensive, 6 50 without a club card, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a relief. It is very expensive, It is. It? Yeah. It's a luxury. Yeah. Um, so those little things were a relief, <laughs> but then in the in the long run, um, it affected the relationship so badly that um, she only felt valued for her money, that kind of thing, and was ending up paying more or, or the same rather than saving money. And it, it actually ended up, you know, they broke up, it ruined the relationship mm. in the end. And I'm, there are other factors, of course. I'm not trying to say that this is a kind of blanket statement that the cost of living crisis is ruining people's relationships per se. There are obviously, there's context involved, but 
it, it definitely didn't help. Yeah, well, um, well, what do they say on the matter? Did they have they kind of talked about whether living together was, a, you know, a contributing factor? Yeah, definitely. I, I think it was rushing into it. That mm. was the main thing. Actually, they are they have gotten back together since oh. then. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but they are living separately, very happily separately, um, <laughs> right. and have no immediate plans to move in. I think it's that whole thing of like you're saving money, but you're sacrificing your relationship and your mental health and your happiness mm. and sanity in some cases mm. definitely mm. i think i'm not sure if it was the exact case study but i think the like the interesting thing was like i think someone said that they felt like they were being used for their money and that why like i think you never want to feel used for anything in any relationship but i think money especially like well isn't that like the number one thing that couples fight about is money mm-hmm. so i think it's it's pretty much a given in most relationships that there is going to be a slight imbalance of power in terms of there's always going to be one person who earns more and it's how willing is that person to kind of take the brunt of financial strain and um yeah i think down the line that can definitely chip away mm. which is what happened in this in this situation and is this something that you uh is happening to more and more couples is there any kind of statistics on on if more people are moving into these so-called inflation ships actually spare room that good old renting site which isn't <laughs> depressing at all um surveyed almost five thousand renters across the uk last year and found that a massive 24 percent said they consider moving in with their partner earlier than planned because of the cost of living crisis um and miriam Cherney, one of the communications officers from there even said that you know the rental market should not be dictating where you kind of go with your relationship but 24 percent is is not an insignificant percentage I don't think it's quite scary. Mm. And in that sense, it's sort of, I suppose it's changing dating as mm. well, rather than these individual relationships, it's changing the the, the manner of dating, I guess. Mm. Yeah. So there's even, it's been incorporated into dating apps at the moment. I think there's like a now uh, option on Bumble to toggle whether you want to be cash candid right. um, when you're meeting up with people. So I guess that is you go on a first date and immediately start digging into your finances and what you expect from the relationship. And I do think as well, maybe... This isn't, it's kind of the opposite end of this, but I think money in relationships has been such a big part of conversations around dating in general. Like there's been so much, whenever you log onto Twitter, people are always like talking about what you should be expecting in a relationship. And there's always, you know, I saw one thing the other day going around that like a woman expected a date to send an Uber for her and oh pay God. for. I saw that as yeah, well. That yeah, that was crazy. Outrageous. That was absolutely mental. Yeah. <laughs> and the way she phrased <laughs> it as well, it was like, will you be sending an Uber then? Yeah. <laughs> What did the guy say? Um, no. She's like, no, you can sort that for yourself. But um, Good for him. You know, I'll meet you there. Good for him. <laughs> well, there was this other TikTok going around of this girl. She went on a date and then immediately after the date vlogged about how, you know, this guy, he ordered a burger and then the server was like, do you want extra cheese with that? And he was like, oh, did it, did it cost more? And she's like, oh yeah, it's $3. And he said, no, thank you. She left the date secretly, like went oh. up to him, paid and left the date and then vlogged about how much of a cheap date he was because he didn't want to pay for three pounds, uh-huh. like a yeah. three pound cheese slice. So I think, vlog about mm. it. yeah, like, like I don't ever remember mm. conversations about money being that much in the forefront. It's like, oh, well, do I get on with this person? Yeah. Do we have the same kind of mm. values? Um, mm. Do we like the same music? Like those are the kind of things that you actually prioritise. That's because everyone's feeling the pinch a bit more, right? So it's yeah. just on people's minds generally, you think? Yeah, I think so. I think people feeling the pinch more and that also there's just so much discourse around everything that I think mm. people are really keen to like put certain rules and parameters on what dating should be mm. yeah, um, and definitely. follow like a strict certain, I guess that like kind of itemize 
the period of the relationship rather than just letting it develop and happen and getting to know mm. each other. And the fact that like now we have cash candid options mm. on Bumble is really bizarre because I can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, like I'm all for being upfront and honest and making sure that your kind of core values are put at the forefront when you're starting to date someone. Mm. But it's just so unbelievably unsexy to kind of, <laughs> for that to be, you know, one of your number one things. In the, but why should how much money someone makes or what kind of financial situation they want to be in dictate who you're dating? I understand that that should be a factor, but to me, that's something you should kind of come to later in your own time and then figure out together. And if it doesn't work, then fine. Mm. Then if it does work, then it can be just as fulfilling a relationship, even if you're in fi different financial situations. And I think there definitely has been kind of wider discourse about trying to find the perfect partner and maybe not being willing to date if it's going to go wrong and just wanting to have, I guess, those like yeah, tick boxes kind of mm. out yeah. of the way from the get-go. I guess it's like a lot about security. You want someone to mm. fall back on. You like people are looking for partners that they can like lean on mm. financially. Which I guess, of course, if you're in a long-term relationship, like people go through ups and downs. Like that is just how it works. And at one point, you might have to like lean on your partner financially. But I think it's weird to be thinking about that from maybe not weird contextually. It makes sense, mm. but for that to be at the forefront of your mind, as opposed to are we getting on? Are they a laugh? Yeah. They, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. To be so stressed out about whether they're going to send a newborn or, or whether they're going to be able to cover your rent. Also, that doesn't feel like an accurate measure of, of a person, really, whether or not they can send a new, but whether or not they're, they fancy paying an extra three quid for some cheese on their burger. Like, I'd hate if someone mm. measured my personality or my character based on that, you know, just because I'm having a, a tight month this month. Yeah. I won't have cheese on my burger, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no spend challenge. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> You're right about it, but sort of taking the sexiness out of it as well. You said a really mm. good thing in your um, piece about going, what did you say? Like going back to someone's flat and sizing up the square footage. To yeah, see instead of sizing up your date, you're sizing up whether you, or not you can fit your Ikea Kallax in the corner. And everyone has an Ikea Kallax, so this is, a, this is a universal thing. What's something simple that you think could help then? You know, we, we talked about how the cash candid you know thing on the dating app is kind of you know feels strange but to some extent talking about these things is is something that's important you know and it's like, what is it that you think could help this situation and kind of avoid people moving into these sort of inflation ships um well i actually spoke to a psychotherapist and the host of the love maps podcast called joe nickel about this and i guess she kind of gave advice that applies to kind of all kinds of conflict in relationships which is communication mm. and basically mm. you know she just said to me you've got to ask yourself is it the right time for the relationship to take on these changes you know that's something that's going to make a couple grow up fast and will kind of test the maturity of the relationship which interestingly she suggested was actually maybe a good thing um because those those conversations are going to be happening at some point anyway um so perhaps it's actually better to have them sooner rather than later but i think the main thing is is to talk about why you're jumping into something while you're jumping into moving in together mm. rather than just doing it mm. and pretending like it's the best thing ever when actually perhaps you're having second thoughts about that and not knowing whether it's the right decision for you um but just kind of going full steam ahead to save money yeah that jumping thing's interesting because you definitely use the phrase in the piece milestone anxiety mm. you know and kind of people rushing these moments because they're anxious to do it or they feel as though they should be at this point you know by this age or by this point in their lives so that was something that you you wrote about, right? Mm, yeah, um, that was actually to do with some research conducted by Relate, 
um, which is a relationship charity, who found that 77% of millennials and 83% of Gen Z are currently feeling pressure to reach life milestones, which is kind of like getting married, buying a house. For me, anyway, increasingly as time goes on, those things feel less and less in reach, within reach for me. And, you know, sometimes I, I ask myself whether I even will ever get on the property ladder, whether I want to. And you really have to kind of rejig those societal milestones that have been thrust on us or we've been conditioned to believe for so many years. Yeah, I think when you grow up, uh, maybe not everyone does this, but I definitely remember being like, OK, well, I'll finish uni about like 21, 22. So then by 23, I'll have a job. That means that by 25, I'll have a house. That means mm. by 20, 26, I'll be married. And then by 30, I'll have like kids and that'll be like the plan and then obviously as you get older you realize that 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 is an insane schedule Mm. and it's definitely not going to (laughs) happen but I think also the weird thing at the moment is that even though that might have been I might have had put myself to a tight (laughs) schedule when I was younger but even as you get older um I think especially in this current climate where wages aren't going up everything the price of everything else else is going up it kind of feels like you can't really imagine a world where you will be earning enough money to achieve those things especially if you're on your own so I think there's like maybe like also like a, a helplessness or a hopelessness there where people actually can't picture them being able to achieve those things that they were told that they needed to do or that's the structure of how you live your life mm. and if it feels like it's easy to do that with a partner then maybe that part of you attaches to that idea and maybe attaches to someone quicker rather than you know like Jade said taking the time to ask yourself those questions whether that's what you really want Mm. Or it's just because you want to feel secure and like you've achieved the things that when you were little, you were told that you Mm. should be achieving. Mm. I think it kind of forces you as well to kind of like reframe those major priorities in your life. And it is terrifying, but also maybe there is something quite freeing about that, about things like owning a house, getting married, or even romantic relationships not being at the forefront or at the centre of the universe in terms of having quote unquote made it or being a stable person or a happy person. And of course, that's like a lot easier said than done, especially when like financial precarity is is so heavily involved. But, you know, ultimately maybe that is the answer, you know, for young people. Maybe they will just reframe what they consider to be important. Mm. And maybe buying a house isn't isn't it. I do think it's well it's interesting, like when I look at my friends, um, or even people I went to school with back home, so I'm from Hull. And when I look at the lives that people that I went to school with who have stayed in Hull, they are much more likely to own a house. They're probably married. They're probably having kids. Maybe they're even on their second kid. Whereas everyone that I know who lives in a big city is nowhere near reaching any of those milestones. Mm. Maybe a couple of people have like bought houses, but also like I've got some friends actually who they bought um, a house as sisters, as three sisters, so they bought a house together. So that was a good way for them to do that. But no one I know is thinking about settling down and marriage and like hitting all those milestones that you you kind of would do normally and I think that a large part of that is because like the city just won't allow them to do that like mm. you just physically cannot <laughs> settle down in mm. London when you're like having to pay the extortionate rent but there's also a sense that people aren't that bothered and they don't really want to and they're having mm. fun. So look if anyone's listening who is currently in an inflationship or thinking about you know kind of rushing that milestone as we put it what would be the advice to them listening right now? I would say, obviously, just take your time, talk to each other as much as possible, be open and honest about what the situation is, especially the financial situation. And, you know, try travelling together for a bit first. Go to Mallorca, go to Marseille, go to fucking (laughs) Glastonbury. I don't know, just do as much stuff that 
kind of gives you a sense of what it is to live with this person and really consider your mental health in all of it. My name is Matthew Whitehouse, editor of The Face. The Face podcast is produced by Frontier Productions, music by Lewis Culture, recorded at the Standard London. <laughs>